Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's coming to you from Nashville, fun little town. I'm trying to do some vacationing, but also trying to continue to feed you guys all the top dynasty content you need. We've talked quarterbacks, we've talked running backs. Now we are talking wide receivers, and I have a great guest to help us accomplish that mission. Host of Wake Up TV, Destination Debbie Honcho, a part of the FTN Fantasy Network. The man also has the all gas newsletter, a true content connoisseur. And I, I still can't say that word right. Even when I try to write the word, Google doesn't know what I'm talking about. Whatever, the man, the myth, the legend, Ray Garvin, Ray GQ. That's Ray G-Q-U-E on YouTube and Twitter. You guys know the man. Ray, how's it going? First time we're really <laughs> podcasting. Not our first uh, Dynasty, I guess, meeting. This time, at least we're on yeah. the same side. Yeah, man, appreciate you having me on. Uh, you know, excited to talk to you about these wide receivers. Yeah, man, I got a lot going on. It's, it's ice cold down here in Texas. We were joking about it before the show. The threat of snow shuts down the entire <laughs> state. So I got the kids in one room, the wife over there. And um, I'm just excited to chop it up with you, man. It's an exciting, exciting time, man. I've got the combine next week, free agency kicking off. So let's just chop it up, baby. Great day to be great. Let's chop it up. You heard the man. Ray, we've started off a lot of these, you know, conversations, just trying to do bigger picture age experience. We are talking dynasty, not just 2022 alone, obviously. So we know wide receivers, not quite running backs. We see guys, you know, have second hell, maybe even third contracts. still put up plenty of numbers with that said, you know, we're not talking Tom Brady quarterback position either. So wide receiver, is there a rule of thumb or two that you'd kind of try to obey in terms of age experience or is every kind of case different? Man, so it's something I've been toiling with more and more, right? Trying to find the cliff. Like at what point should we be looking to move off of, of these wide receivers? Because what I don't want to happen, Ian, is get caught in sort of this DeAndre Hopkins web, yeah. right? Like there was a, I feel like we had an opportunity to pivot off of Nuke and if you missed it, like now you're like, man, what, what, what do you do with DeAndre Hopkins right. now? But then again, you also look back and I'm going the most extreme outlier case there is, but Jerry Rice at age 40 had a 1200 yard, uh, seven touchdown, 90 reception. Season. I was watching so his Seahawks like, highlights the other day. Even after that, he was still doing some stuff. Dude, he was still, he was still serviceable. <laughs> right. So I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't know enough about, the age cliff for wide receivers to really just like throw it out there. But, you know, you know, 33, 34, maybe that's when we should start looking. But the point is, like you said, way the hell after running backs, right? Like much later than the running back position. So no hard, fast rule, but the dynasty additive, man, I'd rather be a year early than a year late. I don't know, man. We might, we might be a year too late on new Hopkins, but we'll see. Is there anyone in, you know, going off the show she already on your race so let's get crazy here uh is there anyone not hopkins where you kind of think that maybe in a year or two they could be in that similar spot say i don't want to go there but keenan allen something like that keenan yes oh. shit i thought you were gonna go even a little spicier than that <laughs> well, who I you mean, got give it to me i'm i'm I'm, ask, I'm just asking the question i don't <laughs> i don't need to i don't need to stir the pot early <laughs> but at what point you look at cooper cup you look at Devonte adams at, at, at what point let's right because these guys are I think Adams is already 30 cup is 20 cups, 29. It's only like you have five years, six in the NFL weird. But like, at what point do you start thinking like, maybe I should be floating Cooper cup out there on the trade block to, and, and you do that with the full intention and expectation that the dude's going to go for 1500 again right. next season. Like, you know, it's going to happen. Right. But Adam Thielen, another one of those cases yeah. where, you knew it was coming. And now it's like, if you're, if you're sitting with Adam Thielen on your dynasty roster, you're just like, I can't really trade him. 
I don't feel great about him. You just got to hold him. So Keenan Allen, yes, agree with you, especially if the Chargers go the wide receiver direction in the draft. Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, just throwing it out there, man. It's a good point, too. We're like, you need to have the expectation that that trade is going to hurt 12 months from the time you make it. The idea is 24, 36 months down the line. That's where we're happy we did it. So, okay, good stuff there on age. Now, consensus top two in Dynasty Land is Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. We all know that. We don't need to bicker about who is, you know, first or second, whatever. How do you feel out the rest of your top five, though? Because this is where it gets a little more interesting. I would assume my guy, A.J. Brown, is somewhere in there. But after that, man, you know, I personally, I had CeeDee Lamb rounding out mine. And let's just say a bunch of people on Twitter weren't the biggest fans of that. So who rounds out your top five after Chase and Jefferson? Okay, I'm with you. Chase and Jefferson, one, two. A.J. Brown, in there as well, yeah. 100%. Anybody that has A.J. Brown outside the top five. Uh, what the hell are you doing? Him. What are they doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Ridic- <laughs> ridiculous, right? I'm with you. C.D. Lamb is still inside my top five. C.D. Lamb is still there. And I get that we haven't had the monster blow-up season that we've seen out of Chase and Jefferson. And, uh, but C.D. Lamb is still there. He's, what, 22, 23 years old? He's Come still on. there. Here's where it gets interesting, and I know the the situation is still very, a lot of uncertainty around DK Metcalf in his situation. For me, it's 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 real close between DK Metcalf and T Higgins for me in, in that top five range. And I know that might be a little spicy, but Ian, I was looking it up yesterday because a lot of people are like, Ray, you're tripping, Tyreek Hill. Do you realize that Tyreek Hill has only had one season over 1,300 receiving yards, and that was in 2018? I didn't realize that until I was trying to fill out some future bets yesterday. <laughs> I'm looking in the odds makers at his line at 1,300, and I'm like, that should be a smash. And then I start looking, 1,100, 1,100, sub 1,000. He had that 1,400-yard season in 2018. So for me, I'm going to take the cop-out answer, and I'm going to put two players in there in the same kind of vein. And I'm going T. Higgins, D.K. Metcalf, but if you're asking me, Ray, you only can choose one, I'm probably still taking D.K. Metcalf inside my top five. It's weird with uh, Tyreek, man. I feel like he's had a little bit of the injury bug, but he has had these prolonged stretches last year and also in 2020 where you just kind of look at it and it's, you know, I'm, I'm writing my wide receiver column, and I'm like, is this the longest he's ever gone without a game with 100 yards? But then he explodes for like 250 and you feel like an idiot forever doubting the guy. So that's just kind of the Tyreek dilemma. But yes, I'm with you. I have Metcalf uh, wide receiver four and T Higgins knocking right on that door. Uh, we got a little bit more to talk about him in a minute. But you talked to me, man, Cup, Devontae, Tyreek, you know, even Stefan Diggs. All these guys are 28. Again, they're not any, by any means washed. We're not saying they're not going to have a great 2022, 2023, maybe 24, but I do think they do warrant having that gap between them and these other guys who are still only 22, 23 years old. But out of that group, Devontae, Tyreek, Cup, and Diggs, who do you still be most willing to buy and who are you maybe looking to get out on early? I know you kind of already mentioned Cooper Cup, so fair play to you there. Already got the answer out. Uh, but that, yes, I said that. <laughs> but when you put it like this, I'm like, okay. I've got to pick one, right? I think right now, the the, the most risky is Devontae Adams, right? Because it kind of hinges to a certain degree on what Aaron Rodgers yeah. does and his future and the drama that go. That, that's a whole show for a whole nother day, right. Aaron Rodgers and his drama. Tyreek, arguably, is tethered to probably the best quarterback over the next five years. You know, he's he's, he's got Mahomes, but again, 1400 yards in 2018. I mean, that, that was, that's a long time ago for Tyreek. If, if there was one that I, I think I would start to, to pivot off of 
before the others, it would probably be Stefan Diggs. And I love Diggs, love him, right? I think that ceiling, we saw that not this past season, but the season before the 2020 season. Is Diggs doing that again? I, I don't know, man. You know, the Gabe Davis hype is through the roof. There's a lot of chatter about Buffalo adding another wide receiver, letting Cole Beasley go. What if they bring in a Jamison Williams out of Alabama? So Ooh. out of these four, out of these four, if there was one that I'm willing to get off of, right, it would be Diggs. And if it's one that I'm still willing to acquire, God, I'm such a freaking hypocrite. Uh, <laughs> probably Cooper Cup because I know what he's going to do with Matthew Stafford for the next two years. Like, yep. I just know he's penciled in and he's going to smash for another two years. Tyreek, like you said, I, I don't know if there's such thing as an injury-prone label. I don't know. But he always seems banged up at the wrong moment. And then as soon as you start to doubt him, he goes for <laughs> 250 and makes you look like an idiot. And then Devontae is strictly, if you told me Aaron Rodgers is back in Green Bay or they're going to Denver together, I'd be in on Devontae. Tyreek has that like Julio gene where he hobbles off the field three, four times in one game. And usually he's right back out there, but it scares you half to death. You know, Ian, it's the, it's, it's the Paul Pierce meme where he gets wheeled <laughs> off of the court, you know, just, and then he comes back in just Willis Reed style, man. God, multiple times per week. Come on, man. But at least he does uh, come back out there. So we appreciate that from you, uh, Tyreek. And yeah, man, I mean, look, we all know how great Devontae is, but we, it's not like Devontae would be the first great wide receiver we've seen suffer from these you know bad quarterback play you know Allen Robinson has been a guy where you know now people aren't hanging their hat on that quite as much but even but even you know last year aside it was always like well look he had that you know 14 touchdown year or whatever it was with Blake Bortles well look at the next freaking year when he also had 150 targets and he couldn't do anything because he was playing with Blake Bortles we had 2016 or 17 DeAndre Hopkins getting my years messed up now it wouldn't be the most unreasonable thing for Adams to dud with Jordan Love or whoever else under center and out of these guys man it is clearly uh the one QB situation where you know more than two or three years down the even next year man who the hell knows what's going to happen Oh, man. All right. So we, we talked about T. Higgins earlier. So I think this is kind of a good dilemma um, in general with some of these wide receivers because no one's doubting T. Higgins' talent. I know the target numbers between him and Chase were fairly even in the games they were out there. With that said, I, you know, gun to our heads, I think we're all picking Chase over Higgins more years than not moving forward. But we know Burrow's going to be able to spread it out. But how do you kind of balance someone like Higgins? Super, super talented wide receiver too, versus someone like Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, Jalen Waddle, who might not have, you know, that same great quarterback, but they do have the higher probable target floor year after year moving forward. I think this is the case of a lot of fingers crossed, hoping and praying instead of like data to back up and support yeah. the argument. I could easily make a case if you're like, all right, Ray, you just talked about T Higgins is, is, wide receiver six in dynasty, right? If you're like, no, that should be DJ Moore. That should be Jalen Waddle, especially like a Jalen Waddle. I think I would be hard pressed to find an argument against that, right? I guess when I'm looking at the Cincinnati situation last year, the crazy thing is, I don't think people understand that Jamar Chase probably was still just figuring it out half the season. Like, and that's scary, right? Crazy he to think about, yeah. play in 2021. And then like, he just, it looked like he was just playing ball, like wait until he actually learns some nuance of the position and he's commanding, you know, even more of a target share. Uh, it, the, the thing that, that scares me with T Higgins is what if he gets to like the end of his rookie deal and he wants to get the bag and be the guy and he doesn't want to be number two. And now he's not tethered to Joe Burrow. 
and he goes to the Jets or he goes to the Dolphins or he, like he just goes to a different team. What happens to his value then? Um, it, it's I, I I think the allure and I'm just being real, man. And sometimes the recency bias comes into play there. Um, but I, I do think Jalen Waddle could could easily be talked about, you know, as that top, you know, top eight dynasty wide receiver, wide receiver seven, wide receiver six. DJ Moore, we keep praying for a quarterback upgrade. Hopefully it happens this year. But based on the overall sentiment of the 2022 class, people think it stinks. So I, I, I just Deontay, he's another one of those Paul Pierce guys. I, I put a, a, <laughs> yes. a, a collage out there. He gets hurt every other play, but he always finishes the game. I think this is the conundrum with T Higgins. And I think you see the talent, you see the upside, you know that he's going to get single coverage opposite of Jamar chase, but how long is that going to last for? I don't know, Ian. And I don't think a lot of, I don't think anybody can confidently tell you how long it's going to last for, you know? Yeah, man. Deontay, I've been a fan of the guy. It worries me though, Ray, when I pull up these efficiency metrics and he's finishing in the bottom 10 of them. All right. I understand not everybody can be our Ridley's goblins of the world. when we're trying to project, you know, this guy getting the elevated target share and moving forward and stuff. I watched the film on Deontay. I get it. The route running's there. I don't care about the drops, the yak abilities there. Saw this hilarious meme where it was like, you know, uh, uh, eighth graders behind the bleachers, uh, 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 like during a high school game, it was just Deontay Johnson breaking like eight tackles. A uh, smear the you know word we can't say anymore in the year 2022, if you will. With Deontay, man, he's moving on from Big Ben, which is good from the perspective of it was late career Big Ben. We don't need to tell me how bad this dude was at this point. I'm not totally convinced though that Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins, whoever the hell is going to be under center though, is necessarily going to feed Deontay that much far ahead of Claypool the way that's been happening. Who knows how else they're going to add Chase Claypool prime by low Ray, or is he someone that you just think maybe we've already seen the best of? Nah, man, get him. Let's get go. Him. Let's go. Get him. I'm with you. Uh, I, you're right. I, I don't think we know. We knew Ben was going to find this guy. That's what he does. He's just target. I lock in. I'm throwing to you every damn time. It was the worst version of Ben. <laughs> Great career. Hall of Famer. Yeah. Glad he's gone. And, and I do think Pittsburgh is one of the prime teams for quarterback upgrade, right? Whether that's via free agency, trade, or NFL draft. I think it's good things to come for some of the pass catchers. I just don't know which one it's going to be. Yeah. It could be Claypool and Fryermuth. It could be Deontay and Claypool. It could be James Washington. Ooh. I'm not gonna go that. I'm far. not giving I'm not up. I'm not that. giving I'm up not just yet. He's been but hooked I, to Mason Rudolph like last decade. That dude deserves so oh. much better. <laughs> I forgot about the college connection. I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I like Deontay. It's with these teams with quarterback uncertainties. It's truly we just don't know. Like we truly just don't know. So you're really just guessing. You're like, all right, well, he was the number one last year. Should be the number one next year, but. I think Claypool at cost. I'd rather have Claypool than Deontay at cost right now. Is Jalen Waddle someone that, like, kind of where did you stand on him before last year versus now? Because, in my opinion, I loved him going into last year because it was just like, okay, in redraft, particularly, he was a price as like a wide receiver four, wide receiver five. He's a sixth overall pick. Of course, you're going to, you know, feed him the ball as much as possible. Now, we didn't see the explosive plays and the deep balls and all that. Now I think you can pretty clearly look at that, you know, league's most RPO heavy offense and behind that O-line, how were they going to push the ball downfield? Another guy that had a pretty low eight his first year before exploding deep and being the guy we thought he could be Tyree kills. So Jalen Waddle, is he someone that you think, Hey, now 
we just said, man, he could reasonably be a top six dynasty wide receiver and we couldn't call that person crazy. Could this be a time to sell a model? Because he did, you know, just get force fed all these targets in a year where Fuller was hurt. Parker was in and out of the lineup. Tua couldn't do much else. Or are we maybe just scratching the surface on him? So I think this, again, it comes back to like how, like, what do you view as Waddle's overall ceiling? Does he, could he have that Tyreek? Just my God, how could, how could this guy, you know, hardest have ever doubted Waddle for a second, you know, second gear into him. Or again, maybe did we look at just all the kind of pieces coming together for him already in the year 2021? This is the first bump on GameStop. This is GameStop <laughs> when it went to 100 and people thought it was over. And then it dipped a little bit and then it shot up to 400. I love I, it. I think the fact that we saw him do what we didn't think he would do coming out of Alabama, because everybody, even myself, I was like, I know we're chasing the next Tyreek Hill, but this is truly the closest thing to it that we've seen. And we're expecting bombs over Baghdad, right? We're, we're expecting <laughs> go routes, just deep bombs. And we saw like none of that this past season. Yeah. It was all him playing as a possession receiver, short area receiver. Like, wait a minute. He never did this at Alabama. And, and he comes out here and he's over 100 receptions as a rookie. I think that's so encouraging because we know he can do that now. Just wait until they can open him up and do some more things with him. So in my opinion, if I'm doing anything with Waddle, it's holding and waiting. Mm -hmm. And if the Dolphins don't invest significant draft capital in a wide receiver, his stock is only going to go up even higher. It's only going to go up even higher. And people forget, man, dude was playing last season off of snapping his damn leg in half. And there was points, there was one game in particular where he got tackled. And I think everybody collective, collectively held our breath. Oh my God. Yeah. Later in the season. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. So it's just like, but I, I I think this is, I don't think this is the ceiling for his value. So in my opinion, I don't know if we're just scratching the surface, but I know there's another element to his game for scoring fantasy points that hasn't been unlocked yet. And if that happens, it's going to be like, damn, I sold at a hundred and this thing is at 400. Now I probably should have waited a little bit longer. Like I, I think right now it's probably like one of the worst times to be selling and selling players in particular, because like, the, the, you're going to get the value spike after the draft. So just be patient, have some dynasty discipline, <laughs> wait a little bit and let things shake out in your favor. Uh, I, I think we're scratching the surface of Waddle, man. I love it, man. Have some discipline, people. I know it's February. We want to all go out there and make a trade right now. Listen to your man at Ray G. When he says chill, all right? Just chill. You got Jalen Waddle. You're in a good spot. We'll see what it looks like come May. So we got Chase. We got Waddle. I think that's majority of people's consensus dynasty top two receivers give or take if you disagree ray i'm, I'm all ears but behind them how are you looking at the Devonte smiths elijah moore's rashad bateman's amonra st browns and rondale moore's of the world personally i do give elijah moore the nod of that group after that i do think things are a lot uh, closer and tighter and i'm sorry lions fans no i'm not fully drinking the amonra st brown kool-aid i'm really happy with what he did eight eight plus catches and five six straight games wherever the hell it was but, man, I still worry when all that comes without Swift, without Hawkinson, and without another alpha receiver that we know they're going to add to the picture. So, Ray, thoughts on this group? Again, Devontae, Elijah, okay. Bateman, St. Brown, and Rondale. So, next up, I do have Elijah and Devontae. And what's crazy is I think we all should be giving Devontae Smith a round of applause for doing what he did in such a anemic passing offense with low volume, uh, the accuracy from Hertz was up and down, and I'm not Catching a Hertz over I Sertan, making the most I, out of it. I think the talent is there, and I think he kind of put to bed. Can he defeat press coverage? Can he win in the end? 
but over 900 yards, Eagles rookie record. I think he had a great season. What's crazy about Smith is it's like his dynasty value has dropped <laughs> after a good season than it was last year. But I think Elijah Moore, Devontae Smith in that next tier, I the same concern that you have over Amon Ross St. Brown, I have about Elijah Moore. And if Ooh. you look at a lot of mock drafts right now, it's it's got the Jets targeting wide receiver early. And if they take a Drake London or a Garrett Wilson with that 10th pick in the first round, I, I, I'm slightly concerned on whom the alpha would be in that offense, right? Yeah. If you've got Drake London on one side, Elijah Moore on the other, I'm not saying Elijah Moore is relocated to dust, but I think that's the same type of situation that Amon Ross St. Brown had. And I, I am just, I'm not as bullish on TJ Hawkinson as everybody else. And I, and I did, I ran the number. I ain't a numbers guy. I ain't a number. <laughs> I, I rely on PFF for my data. Right? I'm not a numbers <laughs> we guy. We appreciate you, Ray. <laughs> but, but even if you give, you know, Swift his hundred something targets, you give Hawkinson his start, there's still plenty to go around. Yeah. And I'm not convinced, you know, Detroit's got the second pick. They're not taking a wide receiver there. 32, maybe, but if it's Jahan Dotson, uh, listen, opportunity targets, earning those. I think Amon Ra, we'll see early. I, I've comped him to like the McLaurin kind of like ascension. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, based on everything I'm hearing with Dan Campbell, they love the kid, man. They love the kid. We'll see how it plays out. If they don't take a wide receiver in round one and they don't add anybody and the free agent class isn't very good anyway, I think there's a good chance he rolls in the next year as the de facto uh, number one wide receiver target. Now, I'll be very quick when I say this. Rondell Moore, I was the number one Rondell Moore truther for almost like two and a half years. I'm out. And oh, Cliff's fault. Seven, blame Cliff. Just blame him. I want to. <laughs> but, dude, th that archetype of receiver, man, it's just hard to hit, right? Like, you can't out-yak everybody in the NFL. And if there was going to be a wide receiver to do it, you're talking about a kid that ran sub four, four, 40 inch vertical jump, sub four second uh, short shuttle. I mean, he was supposed to be the mold breaker. I'm not saying it's completely over, but it's not looking good for Rondell Moore in his dynasty perspectives moving forward. Rashad Bateman, fingers crossed. I hope he could take that step forward. It's a really good rookie class, uh, really good 2021 rookie class of wide receivers, man. You're not kidding, man. We can even be talking about some other guys uh, from last year that maybe would have the opportunity to, you know, do a little better in the upcoming years, but it is what it is. Bateman's the interesting one for me because I saw the flashes at the end of the year. He had the 100-yard game. Uh, yeah, it took him a while to get healthy, and then once he was out there, uh, you kind of saw the reason why I think a a lot of dynasty people were so high on him in the first place. I guess my issue with him, and this was more of a redraft perspective last year, but even before the injury, it was just like, where are the targets going to come from? We did see the Ravens start to pass the ball more compared to the first couple of years of the Lamar Jackson experience. But with that said, still have Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown, save for those ridiculous video game career rumors that were all over the timeline a week ago. And now everyone pretends like you guys all didn't waste all of our time on that. Where do you stand, I guess, on like Bateman, just in the pecking order here? And is this a situation, Ray, where if there's, yeah, you, you brought it up with the Lions, and I agree. Amon Ra should have enough room and enough target share to do his thing. And, like, why would you sell Amon Ra when you did, didn't cost that much to get him in the first place? But Bateman, man, I feel like people are just already want to annoy him over Hollywood Brown. And let's give our man Hollywood some credit last year. 91 catches, over 1,000 yards, six scores. Like, we were just talking about Waddle and kind of his ability to give us a floor we didn't know he had. That's kind of what I saw from Hollywood last year. So again, Bateman, let's see what he's fully healthy. But if anything, man, maybe Marquise is the one that we should be getting behind here based on their ADP. Bingo. 
And um, it doesn't seem like Baltimore is interested in letting him go. Like, they, no. <laughs> I think with, when, when the fake news came out about him retiring to go be a, a streamer, he was like, man, we're working on an extension right now. Like, I'm not going anywhere, right? Um, it, Baltimore is, is much like Kansas City it, it, to a degree. That offense is going to run through the tight end. Like, the wide receiver one for the Ravens is Mark Andrews, and it's going to be Mark Andrews for the foreseeable future. After that, I mean, when you look at Lamar Jackson's skill set and what he likes to do, he wants to take those shots over the top, and that's conducive to what Hollywood does well. Hollywood, too, has first-round draft capital. He did go over 1,000 yards. He did have over 90 receptions. I love Rashad Bateman as well, but the reality is right now, based on the information that we have, he's third option. You know what I mean? He's third option. Now, can he usurp Hollywood Brown? Maybe, but he's going to need that air yard share. He's going to need that target share. And I just don't know if he's going to pull enough away from Andrews as far as just targets, right? And then I don't know if he's going to have the downfield air yards to, to score those big fantasy boom weeks like Hollywood Brown. Hollywood only needs to catch you four or five to, to finish as a wide receiver one if he can get over the top. I think we are... I, I think people are out ahead of their skis on Rashad Bateman just a tad bit right now, Ian. All right, Ray. Second year, stud wide receivers aside. We got a couple vets out there where we've seen it before, but my God, we got some giant question marks at the moment. And I'm all for embracing uncertainty when it's, you know, when it behooves us to do so. But Calvin Ridley, Michael Thomas, what do you make of each at the moment? You know, I I have not seen an update on Ridley personal. You know, we're all hoping that he's gotten his stuff figured out. It seems like Michael Thomas has, you know, finally gotten, you know, on the same page as the Saints medical staff, and we're tentatively expecting him to be full go by week one. But Ridley and Thomas, what do you make of their situations right now? Yeah, the, the one that's most concerning is Calvin Ridley because outside there was what there was a like a brief little blurb during the playoff run that, he wanted to come back, but wanted to be traded. And I don't even know if that was confirmed. That may have just been uh, an egg account with 52 followers that tweeted it out and we all ran with it. I think that's the most concerning is what it, what is going on with Ridley. We know um, mental health is, you know, mental health struggles that he had. Um, so prayers up to him. Hopefully all of that is, is cleared up, but we just, anybody telling you they know what's going to happen with Ridley is a bold-faced lie. I don't think any of us know What's going on? Michael Thomas is back on the field. The slant God himself is back. And I think he's going to slide right back into doing what Michael Thomas does. They, they had nobody to throw the damn ball to this year and, you know, potentially quarterback upgrade for the saints as well. So um, if you're a win now roster, I think Michael Thomas, we just did a, a, a dynasty startup mock and he was going like eighth, ninth round. Like, thank you. I will take Michael Thomas at that value. Ridley's the one I still think costs you a little bit more. He's a younger player in Dynasty, not by that much, but he's a, he's a, he's younger than Michael Thomas. I I don't know, man. I, I, Ian, if you're telling me I got to spend a fifth round startup pick, sixth round pick for That's him, tough. I, I I may just pivot to one of the rookies, right? But it's it's the if you pass on him and two weeks later they say Calvin Ridley's back, he's full go, he's ready to play, you're kicking yourself in the ass. Yeah. If you you know if you I just, I just don't know, man. That that one is very, very tricky because it's not like he had an, uh, a a physical injury and we're just waiting for him to come back. This is something different, and you just don't know where his mental state is, man. Nobody knows besides Calvin Ridley, I'm assuming. Yeah, and I, I think the one you mentioned, it wasn't really a trade rumor. I, I, I don't think it was a, you know. 
I don't think it was an egg. I think it was just a Falcons or NFL reporter putting two and two together and just saying like maybe a change of scenery would be best for both parties. So I don't think it was malicious or anything uh, like that. Maybe it would be better, but yeah, we just haven't gotten an update. Whereas Michael Thomas, yeah, eighth or ninth round people, like, okay, the Carlton Davis slant boy narrative. It was a fun time. We like, you know, yes. slandering yes. guys on Twitter. But come on, the guy caught passes from late career Drew Brees, still accurate, but a noodle arm he had. Taysom Hill, Teddy Bridgewater, he was putting up numbers. Put some damn respect on Michael Thomas's name. True. Now, it got ridiculous when people were trying to say, you know, Michael Thomas versus Julio in 2018. You know, Ray, I don't think we were sitting here trying to say that. No. But Michael Thomas, still a damn good receiver. If we can get him at a discount, why the hell not? I'm with you 100%. And yes, you're right. And the, and the funny thing about the slant narrative is I don't think that was even accurate. I think he ran all <laughs> kind of routes, yep. right? Like he, he was did. just proficient everywhere. So I, I think people ran with it, uh, but it's undeniable. If he comes back, when he comes back, he's the primary target in that offense with a coach that's familiar with him and Dennis Allen, he's going to be fed the ball early and often, man. So three straight years. We've had a fairly proven baller wide receiver really explode in the year three, in part because we got, you know, a bunch of new target share there. So Chris Goblin, Tampa Bay, once we got rid of D-Jacks, Humphreys, um, some other guys got elevated in three wide receiver sets. Jameis goes bonkers. Calvin Ridley, speaking of the man, he comes in after Muhammad Sanu leaves town, has that great year alongside Julio. Last year, it was really Deontay Johnson. Now, we couldn't predict the Deontay, boom, Juju got hurt, and that kind of led to the targets incoming. So with all this in mind, and you know, it doesn't necessarily even have to be someone that you think has a bunch of incoming targets, but which third year wide receiver do you think is going to potentially elevate their game into a legit top 12 finish as early as 2022? Well, this one is it's it's low hanging fruit and it's not an obscure name. I mean, it's a name that we keep talking about. And for some reason, people are souring and souring on them. But I do think this is the CD lamb year. Yeah. I think everything that we've we expected from CeeDee Lamb as the first round pick, playing with Dak Prescott. I think this is the year we see CeeDee Lamb go for over 14, 1500 yards. I think this is his time. No Michael Gallup to start the year. I like Cedric Wilson as a dart throw later on, but stop yeah. it. Um, <laughs> and Amari Cooper, we're, we're, there's a lot of things happening in Dallas that we don't know what's gonna happen with these wide receivers. But this is the year where Amar, where where CeeDee Lamb steps up and, and, and asserts himself as that wide receiver three in dynasty, right? Is one of the upper echelon playmakers at the wide receiver position. If it's going to happen, Ian, it's going to happen this season. And I, and I have confidence that it will happen for CD Lamb this year. Listen, Dak coming back off that injury, man, it, it, it looked like it took him a while to get comfortable, right? Yeah. He didn't really want to run around. The offensive line was just wrecked like Tyron Smith and in and out Lyle Collins suspended half the time just bad offensive line play. Dallas shores up that offensive line, gets some cohesiveness up front. I think this is the year that CeeDee Lamb takes a step forward. If you want to go down a little bit deeper amongst the wide receiver depths, we're seeing that incremental progression and Michael Pittman Jr. In, in, in yes, Indiana. Ray, you got it. You're correct. Michael Let's go. Pittman Jr. That's the, after the low hanging fruit, I think Michael Pittman Jr. Here it is, man. Explosion time is coming. I don't see Indy drafting a wide receiver early with any significant draft capital. I'll let you take the floor because you seem excited about this one. But Michael, and for everybody out there, I don't know what the hell Ian was going to say. So this is just the synergies aligning. Michael Pittman Jr., man, that's the one that's going to do it in year three. 
you're like CD Lamb, like he is going, I'm going to rank him as a top 12 wide receiver. If people don't want to do that, great. Then I'll take the value. So with you there, obviously, I think Jefferson has already done enough to get, he has broken out. He's not going to be a third year breakout, but Michael Pittman. So some of the reasons now the Carson Wentz situation throws a little bit of a wrench in this, I would put, even if Wentz was there, man, people act like that Wentz just couldn't even complete like a single pass. No, he did not get back to 2017 MVP uh, levels or anything, but not the worst quarterback in the league. We can at least say that for the guy. And what did Pittman do? Still take a nice step forward and work really as their alpha for all of last year. There was a good three, four week stretch, Ray, where everyone did come around on Pittman. Now, what happened? Did he suck? No, he didn't have the targets because Jonathan Taylor ran crazy in an offense that had the best case scenario positive game script all season long so you know right you say say yourself we're not the biggest numbers guy let's watch the Pittman film for me when he was a rookie I wasn't overly impressed big you know big guy when he got the ball in his hands in the open field which they did a lot reverses crossers but I was seeing people you know show a play where Steelers decide not to cover him he runs 40 yards untouched it's like oh Michael Pittman breakouts here I didn't quite see it now starting in that wild card game against the Bills into next year like dude that catch he had against the Ravens for a touchdown this year, deep over Moss, the dude, like that was one of the best plays we've seen a wide receiver make. So I think based on what we saw from him on the tape ascending, we know that, like you said, he's going to be the alpha number one. You look at the game script, if we can just somewhat secure a better quarterback, then that will be the last piece of the puzzle. But Ray, we might as well take the discount right now, because once we do get that quarterback, everyone will probably see this coming. 100 percent um i was a big michael pittman i'm a sucker for usc wide receivers i just think they have a really you go back through the history of usc wide receivers majority of them have been pretty damn good in fantasy right um i I was a big fan of pittman coming out didn't know if he had the the overall skill set to fill in as a wide receiver one but it did seem like they trusted him more and more this season we saw that leap from year one to year two and i think we see an even bigger leap from year two to year three with mpj and like you said as soon as they do get a quarterback, whether that's through the draft, free agency, a trade, like that discount is over. It's it's a wrap for him. I mean, where are your pass catchers? Yeah. I, I like Kylan Granson, T.Y. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of buzz on Ashton Doolin. It's Michael Pittman Jr., man. Come on. Football ain't got to be hard. Thank you, man. Don't got to be hard. It was funny last year. Uh, <laughs> I had a random Colts fan getting uh, kind of mad about what I was saying about Zach Pascal, And I was like, I don't didn't think of myself as a Zach Pascal hater by any stretch. And they pull up some age old tweet I have where I said, Pascal is going to be this year's like Kevin Ogletree, you know, has a big game in week one, doesn't do shit the rest of the year. I was like, that's what you were mad about. That was like the one thing I got right on the Colts uh, last year. And I was right. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, right. Much love to all my Colts fans out there. You guys deserve better after I won't even bring it up. You guys know what I'm talking about. Ray, last thing here before we get to, I guess, some deeper sleepers and just a few rookie notes. Am I crazy or is Curtis Samuel the freaking value of the century? Because I know a bunch of you took pleasure in trying to drag me on Twitter, but I didn't read most of your replies anyway. So how does that make you feel, everyone? When I said that Curtis Samuel could be the closest thing we have to Debo Samuel. Now, I do respect the idea and agree that, you know, LaVisca Chanel, Cordero Patterson, size you know, height and weight perspective, you could say they match up better to, uh, D- to, um, excuse me, Debo, but Ray, people act like 2020 never freaking happened. Christian McCaffrey goes down. Curtis comes in, converts 41 carries and over 200 yards between the tackles. And we saw him put forward a top 24 finish with Teddy freaking Bridgewater under center. He's being paid in Washington. He wasn't healthy for a second last year. I mean, you can get Curtis Samuel. Most people don't have him as a top 50 dynasty wide receiver. What is there to lose? 
at first I did think you were crazy. I was like, he's out of his damn mind. What is Ian talking about here? What is he? I was about to get in those mentions and, and just keep going. But the more I think about this, it is truly an out of sight, out of mind situation. People forget how good he was in 2020 when CMC went down and he did get paid. Follow the money. You think Washington is not going to get their money's worth out of what they paid right. Curtis Samuel? The the question mark and, and the, the issue is health, right? If yep. he's on the field, he's going to get the ball and he's going to get the ball a lot. Logan Thomas, probably not going to be healthy to start the year. I like John Bates as some deep bottom of the barrel sleeper, but he's not commanding some massive target share in Washington. You do have Terry McLaurin. Gibson, J.D. McKissick, all right, they'll do their thing. I like Dami Brown as a situational field stretcher, but they are going to utilize Curtis Samuel all over the field if he's healthy. And being ranked outside the top 50 dynasty, what is he? what do you have to lose? Like, what do you have to lose from investing in a player who can give you production on the ground, through the air, game-breaking type ability and speed? Um, it's, again, in a potential quarterback upgrade in Washington. So... I don't think you're crazy. And I understand what you're saying, like Debo. You're not talking about similarities as, as, right. as sti- like size. You're just talking play style similarities. Like, and yes, uh, it, it's so funny. People think that this Debo Samuel position just came out of nowhere this year. And I'm like, <laughs> not seen Curtis Samuel. Remember that guy, Percy Harvin? Do you remember? Like, th- these players have Percy been crawled so Debo could run. So he could run, right? So he could soar. Um, <laughs> I don't think you're crazy. Uh, it's just it's the health thing, but I can take the discount. I can get down with the get down on Curtis Samuel at the at his current price. Hell yeah, bro. Hell yeah, bro. I generally ignore future injury prone things. Great word yeah. choice yeah, there, yeah, yeah, Ian. Yeah. Until a doctor, a you know medical doctor, tells me that there is reason to believe that. So yeah, maybe on you know some of the James Connors of the world will miss every now and then when it actually seems like they're injury prone. But other times, I think we are better off just assuming, unless it's some continued long history of the same thing happening over and over again. But like we're seeing this with Christian McCaffrey all over the place now. Like really, people like you're out on McCaffrey because he pulled his hamstring and he sprained his ankle. Those are the injuries that you think are just going to completely take him away. And you look at Curtis and yeah, it sucked last year. He couldn't get healthy, but it was a groin strain. He suffered in June that they just didn't let recover. Right. And then unfortunately he suffers a hammy when he's finally getting back on the field uh, late in the season before that, man, like you just need to kind of go back to 2017 when he suffered that ankle fracture to find anything that you would be overly worried about. So if Kyle Allen was just even um, somewhat passable professional quarterback, Curtis Samuel would not be this cheap because he would have already exploded on the scene in 2019. But uh, that's a story for another day. So, Ray, with Curtis Samuel aside, who's your biggest sleeper outside the top 36 in Dyson? Listen, Ian, I know it's going to sound a little gross. Um, I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you a two for one. And I'll, I'll, I'll just throw the first name out there, and I'm not going to dive deep. DJ Chark is somebody that I'm trying to get everywhere in Dynasty, okay? DJ Chark, 6'3", you know, 200 pounds, 4'3". We saw him do it a couple of years ago. He's going to be on a new team probably. DJ Chark, super, super low ranking. I want him, all right? But I think the guy outside of the top 36 that has a shot to be a top 36 wide receiver this year, New England Patriots wide receiver, not Jacoby Myers, but Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne's chemistry, and I see your face. Y'all should see Ian's face, right? It's just the stank. Somebody farted in the room. What is Ray talking about? But here's the case. for He Kendrick hates fantasy. Bourne, right? He hates He hates us, Ray. Why do you love him? 
he 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 says that, but I know Kendrick. <laughs> like, I know Ken- me and Kendrick cool, man. He likes fantasy. <laughs> he digs the fantasy. Mac Jones is going to have a second year leap. He's going. The fact that he played in that you can't quantify this, right? And no, he shouldn't have been a pro bowler, but he was there. He was with the greats. He had a really fantastic rookie season. He learned a lot through successes and failures. You normally see that leap from year one to year two with quarterbacks in the chemistry that he started to develop with Kendrick Bourne late, you know, late in the season as they went into the playoffs, you saw it. Kendrick Bourne was a reliable target for him. I mean, he almost outproduced Jacoby Myers on 50 less targets uh, than, than Jacoby Myers this season. Uh, New England has not had a good history of drafting wide receivers and they spent a bag to bring in Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar and all these guys in the offseason. Kendrick Bourne is starting for them next season. He only had, what, 50% snap share last year. You give him, you know, 65% snap share, just increase it 15%. And what he did last year, 55 for 800 on 70 targets. I think Kendrick Bourne is one of those players that with that second year leap, and I'm I'm hinging that on McCorkle Jones, that second year <laughs> leap from Mac Jones. Uh, I think Kendrick Bourne is a sneaky candidate to easily finish with over a thousand yards, multiple touchdowns this year in a division where they're going to have to score to keep pace with the Dolphins, with the Bills, and maybe the Jets get a little bit better. I, uh, deep, late, doesn't cost you a lot. Kendrick Bourne is one of the guys that I'm kind of interested in, man. He had three top eight finishes. I know we all just kind of wrote off the you know, New England passing game because it was so crowded throughout most of the year, but he really was the, you know, boom guy if there was going to be one out of that group. And Ray, like just from watching the offense, I really thought they were going to use Nelson Aguilar in the ways that they were using Bourne because, they, you know, everyone likes to bring up the dropping babies Aguilar gif and making fun of the guy. But Nelson Aguilar, man, I, I always thought the best part of his game was that ability after the catch. And, and you know, his last year with the Raiders, now he was actually winning downfield. So I still think there might be uh, – maybe I'm just, you know – Gotta give up on Nelson Aguilar at some point. Either <laughs> way, um, just to see the way New England like really prioritized Bourne over Aguilar, who's just a complete afterthought in the offense by the yeah. end of the year. Uh, yeah, so like, I was wrong initially on these two, but we now have a full season of evidence that Bourne will be the featured one. You know, I think uh, maybe New England, based on some of their uh, first round wide receivers they've taken, not exactly the biggest candidate to be investing in that position. And he's cheap as hell. So Kendrick Bourne, DJ Chark, go get him, people. I like the chart call, right? Because, again, it's just like what I was talking about with Curtis and some of these other guys. Why are people out on DJ Chark? Well, he got he didn't play last year. He got hurt. Okay, that's it. Like, we cannot have yeah. dreamt of a worse situation for him to be in last year. <laughs> we'll see if he's back. Yeah, and, and that's – it. here's the thing. It's, it's, it's that opportunity and skill set. And I know it was two years ago – but DJ Chark did have a thousand yard season, right? As a rookie in 20, in 12, well, his second season, 117 targets, 73 receptions over a thousand yards. Again, 6'3, 200 pounds, 4'3, 40 yard dash. It's, the, the, Jacksonville was a dumpster fire to the highest degree last season. And my thing is, it can only get better. I, I don't think he's going to be there, but let's just play the what if game. Kansas City, God, we do this every year. They need a number two, right? What if he goes to Kansas City? What if he ends up in Buffalo? I just, I just think what it costs you to get a player who's being valued, like literally, I'm looking at some wide receiver 131. Whew, come on. 130 wide receivers better than DJ Char. Get the dude's 25 yeah. years old. Live a little, people. That's live a little. Live <laughs> a little. Get you some chark. 
Ray, great stuff. Now, I haven't gone too far in on the upcoming class of rookies yet myself, but I know you've uh, you know been grinding some of that film. I wanted to get a I couple dabble, early I thoughts. dabble, I dabble, I My dabble. I'm dabbles just a little bit here. I am a Buckeye lifer, born and raised in Columbus, Ohio, so I've had the privilege of watching these guys you know, for their entire career. Mm. Honestly, uh, Garrett Wilson, it's fun. I actually played high school football with his brothers. Uh, Cam was a, a wide receiver at Iowa. Donovan played running back at Georgia Tech. Their dad was in the NBA in the 80s. And even then, man, I think uh, Garrett was like in fifth grade or something when I was out there in high school. And even then, all of his brothers were like, no, you wait and see Garrett. He's the best one of this group. Yeah, he freaking is. He's incredible, but so is Chris Alave, all-time leader in Ohio State receiving touchdowns. Oh, boy. Who do you oh, want? Boy. Garrett Wilson versus Chris Alave. Lay it oh, on him, Ray. Oh, boy. And we got the Ohio State homerism. <laughs> I'm glad you prefaced this conversation with that because I think it's clearly Garrett Wilson. That's the guy I want. I, I His his skill set, man. I call him a separation specialist. I I don't care how aesthetically pleasing routes look. I do not care. Everyone talks about, oh, route runner. It, they're fun to look at. All I care about is can a receiver create separation? And you can do that in one of three phases of the route. Off the line of scrimmage, you see Devontae Adams with beautiful releases. Inside the route, can you shake and get loose? Hunter Hunter Renfro, the, the slot machine god himself inside the, the route. It's just beautiful the way he creates separation. And then at the point of catch, you see players like Jamar Chase. Looks like Chase is blanketed half the time, and right before the last ball second, gets there, yeah. last second he creates that separation. I think Garrett Wilson is a separation specialist. He can do it in all three quadrants of the route. Off the line, in the route, and at the catch point. I think he's an incredible wide receiver prospect. Not, not some explosive, ridiculous athlete. I don't think he's going to go combine and run four, three, four, four. And basically, data has told us that it doesn't even matter for wide receiver, right? Like that does not matter at all. Um, but I would prefer Garrett Wilson to Chris Olave. And a lot of people call me the Chris Olave hater. I'm not a Chris Olave hater. I think Olave is going to be a really good number two wide receiver for an NFL team. I think he's going to be a I just look at his skill set and think, is this the type of player that can dominate and be a number one? And when I look at Ohio State this past season, yo, he was the third best receiver on that team. Yeah. He he was he was Garrett. He was. I was taking Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and the senior. You know, Chris Olave was a senior, and you had a sophomore out producing him. Uh, you had a junior out producing him. I thought he was the third best wide receiver prospect on Ohio State last year. So I'm not a Chris Olave hater. I just I guess my question is, what are the expectations for drafting a Chris Olave so high? And um, if he gets to draft capital, that means he's going to get the opportunity. I, I frequently see him to the Las Vegas Raiders. If he goes to the Raiders, I still think he's the third wide receiver. He's behind Darren Wallen. He's behind Hunter Renfro. So I, I just don't see a pathway to alpha-ism for Chris Olave. Um, so because I can't see that pathway to alphaism, I just made that up right now. It I works. Let's keep going with it. Is it alphaism? <laughs> I, I just kind of I'm just a little lower on him, just a little lower than consensus. Uh I, I'm not an idiot and have him wide receiver 17, 15, right. 12, none of that stuff. He's still top 10 wide receiver in the class, but I'd prefer Garrett Wilson to Chris Olave. Alave, I'm just not as convinced that he has the entire, you know, five-tool receiver package that we get out of Garrett Wilson. I'm chasing the ceiling that we think Garrett could have with that first-round pick over Alave. Like Ray said, 
Alave, probably more of a wide receiver too. Our draft guy comps him to Calvin Ridley. Not that Ridley can't be a wide receiver one, but as we know it, Ridley and his yak ability, very similar to Chris Alave, you know, being just not his biggest strength. I want the guy in Garrett Wilson that can be the freakiest of all freaks. Give me, again, that ceiling when the floor is still pretty damn good uh, in its own right. So got to get my, you know, homerism Ohio State uh, takes in there, but I'm happy we're on the same page with that, Ray. Now, before we get out of here, there's one guy we got to talk about. I know you've been, you know, I keep messing up this word, word, but we'll go with again, a connoisseur of the Traylon Burks hype train for a long time. I've seen some pretty gaudy comparisons thrown out there on Twitter, but what's interesting to me is how some people look at uh, who we have here in Burks and they look at the size and speed and they say, oh, DK Metcalf, but he can, you know, do more after the catch. Other people look at kind of his role at Arkansas and just say, well, he's actually more of this low A dot slot receiver. Who knows if he can even win downfield. Ray, sell myself and the listeners on Traylon Burks and basically just who he is now and what he can become in the future. All right, Ian. So I'm going to be honest with you, right? I have made some Traylon Burks comps over the past couple of years. I feel like I've been Traylon Burks truther literally for two years now. The receipts are out there. And I've said a combination of A.J. Brown meets Josh Gordon. The downfield ability meets the yak ability of A.J. Brown. Like I've for two years now, again, I've already been a hypocrite once on this show with Cooper Cup and buying and selling them. So I'm going to be another hypocrite now. Most of my process early on derives from just watching college game, man. I just, I'm, I'm tapped into college football every damn Saturday. I'm watching it. So for two years now, he's been my unquestioned, undisputed wide receiver one. I'm not saying that he's not, but in my personal film grades, when I'm grading these wide receivers on the skill sets and metrics that I think are important, he didn't grade out as the top receiver, man. I'm just, I'm, I, I'm just keeping it real. Garrett Wilson graded out a little bit higher than him, as did Drake London. Um, there are some things in his game that we, we just didn't get a chance to see at Arkansas. Now, to his defense, I think he's played with nine or ten different quarterbacks in three years at Arkansas. Um, it just they weren't a good football team, right? KJ Jefferson, uh, best quarterback he's ever played with, and I don't think he's going to be a top 64 pick in the NFL draft. I like Traylon a lot. If he gets the draft capital, he's going to matter. Is he DK Metcalf? No. Is he on his own? AJ Brown? No. I think he's a, a unique blend of size, speed, athleticism that I, I talked about it with uh, my patrons today, Ian. I look at him as like a beautiful like thing of clay, like the finest glob of clay that you can buy. <laughs> but you don't, you, we're not doing the ghost scene yet. You haven't molded it yet, right? Like, but the clay is, the clay is perfect, man. It's beautiful. It's what you want. But there's some areas of his game that I think need to be refined. There are some concerns. I don't believe he's a perfect prospect. I don't think he's in the same tier as a Jamar Chase. I think he's a fantastic, incredible athlete with a very unique skill set that if he gets with a creative offensive coordinator that molds and fosters that skill set, he could be awesome in fantasy. But it also can go real bad if he, <laughs> if he hits a landing spot where it's just like, I want you to play like Hunter Renfro because that's not his game, right? And he's not... A.J. Brown. I think A.J. Brown was a better separation specialist at every quadrant of his routes. I love Traylon still. Do not get it twisted, folks. I'm not saying I do dislike Traylon, but he did not grade out based on the tape. And I don't factor in draft capital, combine stuff. I'm just looking at the film. He didn't grade out as the top wide receiver for me, man. 
And Ray, I'm happy the way you kind of put that together because originally I think what I saw like from you on Twitter was just like the AJ Brown, this Josh Gordon, that and stuff. And okay. On the surface, but you, know, you said it like, he's not those guys. He's a unique prospect. So sometimes we need to use three different comps and Hey, say if all comes together, then we could be having this, but Traylon Burks, maybe the, you know, comp for Traylon Burks, it's just Traylon Burks. Cause we haven't seen Traylon someone. Burks. Haven't seen someone with that, you know, set of skills. So that, you know, let's get him. Is, is there a team that you would just love to see him go as the truth or you are? Man. Um, team that I would love to see. It's just, I, I, I replace Amari Cooper in Dallas. Why not? I, I think, you know, who I think <laughs> would, would work well with his skill set. I think the chargers, because you've Ooh. got the route technician with Keenan Allen uh, there are rumblings about them upgrading the tight end position through free agency. I'd love to see like a David and Joku there with, with Justin Herbert, but you give him a, a intermediate target. And then the guy that, you know, he is fast as hell and can run deep on some plays. I think that would be an ideal landing spot that fits, uh, you know, Justin Herbert's skill set. I would love to see that, you know, I'm seeing a lot of Philadelphia don't like it at all. Cleveland, maybe because they'll probably just run shallow crossers with them the entire time. Listen, I, I, the size adjusted speed is ridiculous. He's going to test really fast. I just think that he's not as polished of a, of a prospect as I think the consensus community wants him to be, but that's not a bad thing, right? I just, you're right. There are some, the DK comps, the one for one AJ Brown comps, probably a little asinine at this point but when you're just looking at the individual skill sets that he possesses i think he's got tremendous upside but a lot of things have to line up and fire for him chargers man I like that call sign him up with justin herbert he can go to the keenan allen stevie johnson school of route running learn that a couple of years great call great stuff ray we appreciate you coming on again people ray all over the place you can see him on wake up tv subscribe to all gas newsletter destination debbie ftn fantasy all that and more ray gq on youtube and twitter ray man the youtube game is strong and you're putting out all sorts of content you know week in and week out i know you're one of the most respected people in the dynasty community that's why i wanted you on here man so thank you again anything else you want to get off your chest before you get out of here Nah, man, appreciate you having me on, Ian. It's the first time we've done this. We're in leagues together. We got to chop it up again, man. Maybe post-draft we can come on here, chop it up again, man. Thank you for having me on. Will not be the last. I will hope this will be the last one that I do from my hotel room, and I have, uh, you know, fake fire alarms going <laughs> off throughout the show. So apologies uh, if you guys caught any, uh, you know, voices in the background. Yeah, it was fake, and they kept telling me it was fake for a good half hour. Like, just get on with it. But you know what, Ray? We persevered. We overcome. So Ray GQ on YouTube, Twitter, all the way around. Love everything Ray G gives for us. So for Ray, I'm Ian. Thanks as always for tuning in to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. Bye.